God is good all the time. Hey, I'd like to introduce myself. It's been it's been a few weeks since uh, since we've been here uh, together as a group. Thank you to Pastor Jen for leading this class uh, the last two weeks. Then we had Fourth uh, of July, and then uh, yeah, it's been since June since I. I've been here, so it's so good to see each and every one of you. And if you're joining us online, welcome to you as well. Let's pray. God above, what are the, whether we're Methodist, Baptist, LDS, or, or anything in between, we know that you still listen to prayer. We know that you care. And the folk in this room care about us too. So, Lord, for those who have those hardships that they face right now, remind them that that they are loved by the folk in this room, by the folk watching online, and by you. And that in all things, in all things in Christ, we find strength. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. Well, I think we are in John 18. Does that sound right? For those? Awesome. Uh, I, I did my research uh, before I went on vacation. And I just, I'm looking at it now, trying to remember everything. So we're going we're gonna to struggle through this together. Uh, on, this is his arrest and uh, Peter's denials uh, as, we, as, we, as we move through this, this section of the book. Can we do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break this up in a weird place. In my Bible, it makes sense. On the, on the sheet, not so much. But let's do verses 1 through 11. Jesus arrested. When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kindron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, I am he, Jesus said. And Judas, the traitor, was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Across the brook, the Kidron Valley, uh, or the brook Kidron, uh, when Jesus went from the city of Jerusalem and crossed the brook, uh, this, this small stream, if you got an old-timey map of Jerusalem, this small stream was the drainage ditch from the temple area. Uh, it, it left the temple area and just kind of winded its way on, on, its, on its way down. And they, they, they cross this brook. Now, this is at Passover. What gets sacrificed at Passover? Lambs. Any idea how many lambs got sacrificed? Thousands. 
there was there was one uh, historian who who guessed probably about two hundred thousand lambs were sacrificed uh, at Passover at this time. When you sacrifice something, what drips out? Can you imagine the drainage ditch from the temple? Uh, it, it, you, you would not be drinking out of this. Uh, this, this was running red. Um, a vivid reminder of, uh, to Jesus about his own sacrifice coming up. But there was a garden. Uh, John doesn't call it the Garden of Gethsemane. The other gospel writers did. Uh, Jesus often met there with his disciples, perhaps to sleep for the night under the shelter of the, of the olive trees. Uh, in the Gospel of Luke, it says that during this Passover week, Jesus spent the nights with his disciples on the Mount of Olives. So they'd go into Jerusalem for the, for the Passover festival, then come back out. There's no room for the inn, even, even at this side of Jesus' life. They went back out and back and forth, in and out. Um, it was a familiar place. Judas uh, knew the place well and received a detachment of troops, came to the garden with a team of soldiers to seize and arrest, arrest Jesus. Uh, a detachment of troops, a large number of Roman soldiers. Um, if, if that word, if it's used correctly, it could have three different meanings. Uh, if it's the Greek word, uh, like for a Roman cohort, it's about 600 men. That's a lot of men. If, it's a, if it was a cohort of auxiliary soldiers, uh, an, another group with 1,000 men, 240 cavalry, 660 infantry, uh, it could also be a detachment. Uh, it could also be uh, more of a, a smaller number of, of about 200 men. Whatever, whatever it is, we know that when I, when I watch video and you see movies of this, of the arrest, you always see Judas and maybe like a dozen or so soldiers. It could have, it, chances are it was over 100. 100 soldiers coming to, to arrest Jesus at night. So they bring their torches and they bring their, uh, uh, the lanterns and they bring, bring their weapons. They were thinking there was going to be a fight. Uh, a battle of some kind. They brought the torches because, again, we're at night, and they're going to have to look in all the nooks and crannies for everyone trying to escape. Only, only once... Uh, uh, should I tell the story? Not tell the story. So let's say I was in... Okay, hypothetically, if I was in high school and I went to a party, and it was in a field, and the cops showed up, and everybody ran to the cornfields, because that's what you do in Nebraska. You run into the cornfields. And we thought we escaped until they got the flashlights out. And so uh, some of us got deeper, hypothetically, deeper into the cornfields. And uh, bullhorn, everyone out of the cornfields. <laughs> no one came out of the cornfields. Until uh, half of us realized, uh, hypothetically, I, I was not one of this half, that all our cars were there, and they started towing the cars. <laughs> and so half of us came out of the cornfield, hypothetically. <laughs> But they had the flashlights and trying to find us all. Uh, here, here are the soldiers with all their lanterns and all their uh, uh, devices trying to find. Try, they, they expected to fight. They expected people to run. So they literally had hundreds of soldiers ready to go. Whom are you seeking? Jesus said this for at least two reasons. First, he wanted any potential violence to be directed at him, not his disciples. 
And he also wanted to identify himself. Do you remember how Judas uh, identified him to the, uh, for the troops? With a kiss. He, he just couldn't say, there he is. Again, it's night. Slightly dark. I'll talk more about that in a moment. Uh, but with a holy kiss. Kiss on the, the man that I kiss will be, will be the one. Uh, there's another disciple who looked a whole lot like Jesus. Uh, sometimes uh, uh, Thomas is known as Didymus or the twin. Uh, some, some people speculate that he looked a whole lot like Jesus and was a hypothetical twin, uh, at least in face, that uh, they, they, they needed to identify him. Uh, Jesus of Nazareth. That was the common name that he was known by. He wasn't known by rabbi or a carpenter, not even by his parentage, Jesus, son of Joseph. Uh, Jesus chose and received the title that identified him with a small town. I am, it's a phrase out of the uh, King James, again, uh, pays attention to the whole I am sequence that we talked about before with uh, the Moses story and the burning bush. The soldiers had come out to flee, to arrest a fleeing peasant, and they f instead found a commanding figure. Uh, I am he. They all drew back. They fell to the ground. Uh, somehow his divinity shone through just a little bit, a, a hint enough that we always think they just kind of fell back. But the way it, it's, it's written down is like when he spoke, they, they felt the shockwave. Uh, uh, and, and they fell to the ground. Not in awe, not in wonder, but in, in power and majesty. Here's our Savior. He let out a little beam of, of majesty of his deity, and, and 500 men fell before him. Um, one commentary said, our Lord, our Lord chose to give this proof of infinite power that they might know uh, that their power could not prevail if he, if he chose not to go with them. So who was this man? Jesus, born in a humble ba as a humble baby, yet, yet announced by angels. Laid in a manger, but a star shone the way. Submitted to his baptism as if he were a, a, a sinner, but he heard the divine voice of approval. He slept when he was tired, but yet, yet woke up to, to calm the storm. Wept at a grave, and then called the dead to life. He asked them again. He didn't want the soldiers to panic and injure the disciples, so he, he, he brings the, the attention back on himself. Who are you looking for? I am he. Uh, ego imi. Um, if you seek me, let these go their way. Jesus taking care of the disciples. Let these one. I'll come with you. Just let these go. And so all the disciples lived that night, which is an amazing story in and of itself. In a sense, he sacrificed himself for their safety. He had promised the Father in a previous chapter that he would protect them, and this is him uh, fulfilling that, that guarantee. The disciples took those words as, you know what, it's time for us to go. <laughs> and away they went. They probably left as fast and quietly as they could, except for Simon Peter. Simon Peter had a sword. Uh, the disciples apparently carried swords, uh, some anyway, and... Uh, they had at least two on this occasion, according to Luke. You know, having a sword makes sense when there's robbers and violent men to consider. And he drew it and struck this. Uh, where, where, did he, where did he get the guy? He got the guy where? On the ear. 
Uh, which ear? The right ear. Chances are Peter is... Chances are he's probably right-handed. So to get someone on their right ear... It's really awkward to go like this, but if you go this, which way is the, uh, the, 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 person, the other person facing? Forward. He got him from behind. <laughs> Chances are. It doesn't say it, but uh, try it sometime. Uh, get a sword and get a friend, and, and you'll discover how hard it is to do this uh, unless they're facing the other way. <laughs> He probably, he probably uh, deliberately chose a non-soldier. It was not a shining display of courage. Uh, it's significant that John mentions the high priest's servant's name, Malchus. Um, another piece of evidence that John had connections to those in the household of the high priest. Uh, it, it could also be that Malchus might have been known by the Christian community in later times. A lot of times in, in, in the Gospels and in Acts, if it brings up someone by name who's not really in the story yet, but it has a, has a small part in the story, if you, if you will, uh, it's because there's a Christian community where that person belongs to. It's possible. It doesn't say it, but it's possible that the, the reason they bring up their name is maybe, I'm, I'm just making this part up, but maybe the people in Corinth are like, hey, that's Malchus. That's this guy right here. And he's like, yes, I know. I was part of the story. I remember. But Jesus put it back, which was nice. It was, it was very kind of him. It doesn't say in this one that he put it back, but uh, um, uh, in another gospel it says that Jesus uh, was able to put the ear and reattach it. Uh, I think that was Luke. Uh, the captain and the officers of, of the Jews arrested Jesus. There's two different groups here. The captain was the Roman commander and the officers of the Jews were the temple security forces. So he is arrested. All right, let's sneak to the next, uh, the, the small paragraph now uh, that to, to finish it off, 12 to 14. Then the detachment of soldiers with its commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. They bound him and brought him first to Ananias, who was the father-in-law of Caphias, the high priest that year. Caphias was the one who had advised the Jewish leaders that it would be good if one man died for the people. They led him away to Annas first. Uh, Annas was not the official high priest, but the father-in-law to Caiaphas. Uh, it was the one who, An Annas was the one who put Caiaphas in, in power. But Annas was the power behind the, the throne, if you will. Um, he himself, Annas had been high priest himself uh, for about uh, 10 years, about 10 years before this. Four of his sons also held the high priesthood, and now Caiaphas was his son-in-law. So all in the family. Uh, how do you get to be high priest? You have to be related, and and that's 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 how you that's how it happens. My my kid asked me a while ago, Dad, how do you get to be president? I said it doesn't matter what Ivy League school you go to; anyone can become president. Uh, but apparently, you have to go to an Ivy League school. For uh, for uh, Caiaphas, he was in the family. Um, there's a, there's a passage in the Talmud, which is uh, uh, more Jewish writings that didn't quite make scripture. But it says, woe to the house of Annas, woe to their serpent's hiss. 
This is not very favorable. They are high priests. Their sons are keepers of the treasury. Their sons-in-law are guardians of the temple. And the servants beat the people with staves. Uh, they, were, they were pretty much notorious. At any rate, the Lord is led to Annas first, and we feel there's got to be a motive for this. A, Annas is really the power behind the throne, like I said. But there's also a Jewish law that said you could not be sentenced on the day of your trial. You have your trial, and then you have to wait a day for the sentencing. And maybe this fit the bill for that start of the, of the trial proceedings. If we can say that, again, late at night, Ananias, he's going to be the first uh, first trial, and then we can uh, sentence him the next day. Uh, it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it was better for one man should die for the people. And uh, this unknowingly, unknowing prophecy of Caiaphas is uh, recorded in John chapter 11. We did that seven weeks ago. And without knowing at that time, Caiaphas spoke the truth that it was good for Jesus to die for the people. One reason John reminds us of what Caiaphas said in John 11 is to show that the judgment against Jesus had already been decided. This would not be a fair trial. We're going to find him guilty no matter what. Uh, Jesus might expect a little, might expect little from such a judge. There was, here was no idealist uh, ready to see that justice was going to be done. It was, it's been, it's, it's been settled. All right, let's do 15 to 18. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because his disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter was also was standing with them, warming himself. So Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. And if you had to guess who that other disciple was, this is the gospel according to John. Uh, a lot of times John would say, another disciple, or the disciple whom Jesus loved. If you're... John was the last disciple, so he could write, I'm the one that, he, I was Jesus' favorite, because no other disciples were around to refute that. Uh, but it's probably also the case. He was, he was in the inner three. Peter embarrassed himself at the Garden of Gethsemane with his sword in the ear of the high priest's servant, and hoping for a second chance to show his loyalty, he followed Jesus to the place where he was held. Uh, John was also there. John had connections to the household. He was known to the high priest. Uh, which is also why, if you remember back in chapter 3, Nicodemus from the high council went to go to talk to John, and we get the whole born-again thing, and uh, for God so loved the world is also in there. Uh, spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. John's connection to the high priest and his servants explains how Peter and John had access to the property of the high priest on such a night. Uh, the simple servant girl who, re who minded the door to the courtyard questioned Peter. Uh, this, is the, this is the one who says, who are you, before you get to go inside. John got to go inside, but Peter got stopped. Peter got questioned. Aren't you, aren't you one of his disciples? Somehow John got in, but Peter stopped at the door by the bouncer. Aren't you one of his disciples? And the brave Peter says, nope, 
Never met the man. I am not. Peter responded to her negative statement with a negative of his own. Uh, this, this might have been a quick exchange that Peter did not give much thought to, yet even that was a clear denial of association with Jesus. And then Peter had to stand outside in the cold, and he warmed himself. Um, he also wanted to blend in with a small crowd. Uh, so he's standing around these, uh, these other people, soldiers, in another, in a, in another uh, gospel. But it's a lot less conspicuous if you're with the crowd than if you're out in the dark shadows waiting for John to come back out with word. It was dangerous to be noticed. So let's get to uh, let's get to the second. What's what's happening inside? Let's find out. Let's do verses 19, 19 through twenty four. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues and at the temple where all the Jews came together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Ananias sent him, uh, sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Ananias wanted to know about Jesus' disciples, perhaps because of fear or jealousy, and then he wanted to know about his doctrine. What did you teach? Uh, that might be of concern to the religious establishment. Um, and it's basically, let me, how did it say it? Question Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Uh, Ananias basically brought the prisoner before him and said, Tell us what you're guilty of, and everyone who is with you. Jesus did not mention his disciples at all in his reply. He protected them in every way possible. This really wasn't legal anyway. Witnesses were supposed, they're supposed to have witnesses. Bring in witnesses to tell me what I, what I said. Uh, even though Jesus didn't have the right to remain silent, he was not an American citizen, so he didn't have that right, the Miranda rights. Uh, but can you imagine you getting arrested and the, and the person come, uh, questioning you, tell us what you did. You tell me, you're the one who arrested me. We'll catch that again in a moment with, uh, with Pontius, Pontius Pilate as well. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me and, and what I said to them. Um, he wasn't being uncooperative, just asserting his legal right. There's no formal charge yet, uh, and there's no witnesses. It was the high priest's duty to call forth the, call forth the witnesses first, uh, beginning with those for the defense. These basic legal protections for the accused under Jewish law were not observed at all in this trial. And he called him the high priest, and he really wasn't legally the, the high priest either. One of the officers stood by. This anonymous official began the physical abuse of Jesus that would end in his crucifixion. Struck uh, with the palm of his hand that his name is not recorded, but his crime was. This blow was the signal for the indignities that, uh, that are about to take place in the next 24 hours. 
Jesus to ask both the unnamed official and Ananias to justify the physical abuse. Uh, Jesus exposed their truth. They just didn't, they didn't want to follow their own standards and practice of, ju of justice with, with Jesus of Nazareth. And off he goes to Caiaphas. And Jesus bows bound as if he were a dangerous criminal. So let's go back outside to the courtyard. John does a nice way of kind of giving us an inside-outside perspective of what's going on here. Good literature. Let's do uh, that paragraph 25 to 27. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, You aren't one of those disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. Peter stood and warmed himself. Watching Jesus from a, from a distance, he hoped to mix in with the crowd, remain unnoticed, and yet... Because Peter was with him, they, they didn't notice, they did notice him. Uh, in, in the Gospel of Luke, it says that Jesus could, I'm sorry, that Peter could see Jesus through, through the window, through the door, uh, at a distance. And Peter likely saw the hard slap unexpectedly put upon Christ and understood that this whole incident was going to be a little more violent and a little more messy than he had thought. Uh, the unnamed one at the fire asked the same question uh, as the servant girl as at, the, at the door, even placing it in the negative as she did. And for a second time, Peter said, I am not, and denied any association with Christ. Uh, one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of who uh, had their ear cut off, um, asked the same kind of question. And again, uh, I, it's not, it's not I. Matthew tells us that Peter denied this third, third time with cursing and swearing, hoping to make them think even more that he was not associated with Christ. Uh, we, could, we could say at this point that it was not, not the faith of Peter that failed, but his courage. And immediately a roaster crowed. This fulfilled what Je Jesus said in John chapter 13, and it's, it's now part of the gospel stories. It's been 2,000 years. We know what this one rooster did. And roosters crow early. Anyone have roosters close by or grow up with roosters? Yeah, what time do they start? Before then, man, yeah. Yeah, first, first sign of light. Uh, we had, uh, we lived in a, in a city, we lived in a city of 40,000, and uh, our neighbor had roosters. You're not supposed to have roosters in the city. It didn't matter in the wintertime because the sun didn't come up till you know, a certain time. But in the summertime, 4 o'clock in the morning, they started going off. Um, and we were those horrible neighbors like, you have to get rid of your roosters. We're not getting rid of our roosters. Fine. We called the city and they got rid of roosters. <laughs> My kids are waking up at 4 a.m. Um, nah. Yeah. I do like in Luke's account that when Peter denied the third time, it actually says that the Lord, um, Jesus, turned and looked out the window and looked at Jesus as if... As if he knew. Uh, he, well, yeah. which I, I, I believe he did know. Yeah. And it tells me a lot uh, about Jesus, how much 
he cared for others even though he was under such uh, great condemnation and pain. Yeah. Not as, and um, I think it was poignant to Peter who, you know, where he was told from Jesus that he was going to do this. And then when it happened that third time that Jesus actually turned and looked. I don't think Jesus was able to hear that conversation, but he knew. And I like that. Yeah, and it's not Jesus turning and it's like, see, I told you, I told you you were going to do that. No, it's, I think it's more out of love and grace and care like Peter. I still love you. Yeah. Jesus saying, hang in there. It's going to be all right. Yeah. I, I hear you. Yep. You're still going to be my rock. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing about this night, it's, 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 we're kind of deep in the middle of the night, but there, there, there is some light out there. Uh, let, me, let, me give you, let me give you a fun, I think I got time to pull this off. Let me give you a fun little lesson. Um, what's, what's the holiday for this? Passover. Passover is, uh, takes place in the spring. Uh, we did this a while back where um, in the olden days, spring was the first month of the year, right? March. March was the first, which is why October, oct is eight, now 10. Anyway, um, go to, uh, if, if you've got your Bibles with you, go to Exodus chapter 12. I think it's 12. Let's take a look. Exodus chapter 12. If, if, you got a, if your Bible has little uh, um, uh, headers, it might say the Passover or something like that in your Bible. I'm going to read out of the NIV here. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor. Having taken into account the number of people there are, you are to determine the number of lambs needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be a year old males without defect, and you may take them from uh, the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until what? how many days? Fourteenth day of the month. And when all the people are in the community, they will, they, they, you know, then we'll do the sacrifice and we'll do the whole blood on the, on the um, uh, doorposts, right? And what happens right after that? They have the Passover, the angel of death passes over. And what did the people of Egypt get to do right after that? They, they eat and then they, they leave. All right. So what, I hear you ask. So, so what? All right. First day of the month, first, uh, the Jewish calendar, the, the, the first day of the month begin on what celestial happening? Not the full moon, the new moon. Freak, I, 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 I took me a long time as a kid to get this because I always thought the full moon would be like day one. And then it disappears and it comes back. And, uh, but it's really the, the, the month starts at the new moon when the moon is totally nothing, Right? And then it waxes, and then it wanes. You got that? So the first new year is, uh, and the Chinese new year does this too. Uh, they go off the moon. Uh, 
um, at new moon when there's absolutely no moon, and it, and like the new the moon is being rebirthed, we get the word month for moonth because it's based on on the moon. So f- Passover, uh, okay, on the tenth day, take the lambs, but on the fourteenth day is when Passover happens. What is fourteen days after new moon? Not the half. Oh, full moon. Yep. The full moon. Moses, you're going to start the year on the new moon. But 14 days later, you're going to start the Exodus. You're going you're, you're gonna to do the, we're going to have the Passover thing, but then you are leaving. And you are escaping bondage. You're going you're gonna to travel by, uh, by day, and you're going to travel by night. Can you travel by night when there's no moon? Not really easily. Passover happens at full moon so the people of Israel can see the light to leave Egypt. Does that make sense? Passover here is, and I think I said this before in a Sunday sermon, Passover is the first Sabbath after the first full moon, after the first day of spring. Christmas, December 25th, bam. Easter, it can go over five weeks. Sometimes it hits May, uh, May, March, March 22nd, and it can go all the way to, to April 28th, something like that. I don't have the exact dates, but that's the rough range. Uh, because for us, Easter is the first Sunday after the first full moon, after the first day of spring. And that full moon can happen anywhere in those dates. But the, whole, the, the reason I bring it up is it's, it's dark, but there is, they are under the light of a, of, of a full moon, which is, which is pretty cool. Does that make, did any of that make sense? All right. I just think it's neat how the Lord said, all right, when the sun's out, or I'm sorry, when the moon is at its fullest, that's when you're going to leave Egypt so you can get out of there at night as well. Uh, we are at, are we on verses 28? Is that where we're at? All right, 28, and I'm going to break this up in the middle here, Uh, 28 to 32. Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. This happened so that the words Jesus had spoken, indicating the kind of death he was going to die, would be fulfilled. Uh, Do you notice anything missing? Let me, let me backtrack. Uh, let's go back up to verse 24. Then Ananias sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Then we get Peter's little thing. And then verse 28 starts with, Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pontius Pilate. What did we miss? What did Caiaphas... What, what, what happened with Caiaphas? John is the last gospel written. 
Most, uh, most scholars believe that Mark was the, uh, of the four that we have in our Bibles, Mark is the first. Matthew and Luke borrowed from Mark and put their own stuff in there uh, from their own perspectives. John was the last one written. So John had access to the other Gospels uh, and, and, and probably knew them in and out. Uh, and in Luke and in Matthew, we get, we get Caiaphas and we get King Herod. For whatever reason, John does not include that in his gospel, but he goes straight, straight from there, skips, skips Herod, skips Caiaphas, and goes to, goes to Pilate. Jesus focused on the appearance of Jesus before the Roman leader. Uh, they went to the palace or the practicum, practic, practicorium, depending on your Bible. Uh, it's the headquarters of Pilate in Jerusalem, kind of like a little fortress where Pilate held court and conducted uh, official business. They didn't themselves go into the practicorium, the, uh, the Jews. They, 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 uh, Pilate had to come out and greet them. Uh, this, is, this is Passover. This is high holy days. And one thing that you don't want to be is ritually unclean. And going into the Roman palace certainly would make you ritually unclean so you cannot enjoy the Passover uh, with, with your own family later on. So that's why Pilate had to come outside <laughs> Uh, at this at this uh, time of day, um, this examination began in the open air in front of the building. Pilate went out. The religious leaders had had reason to expect a favorable result as they brought Jesus to the Roman governor. Uh, secular history puts Pilate as a cruel and ruthless kind of man, completely insensitive to the moral feelings of others. Uh, Pilate had married a, a granddaughter of Caesar Augustus. Again, you want to get in with politics, you got to marry, marry in. It's, it's, a, it's a good way to do it. Uh, so he did have connections back, back to Rome. Uh, Philo, who was an ancient Jewish scholar from Alexandria, describes Pilate like this. His corruption, his acts of insolence, his, uh, his habit of insulting people, his cruelty, his continual murders of people untried and uncondemned, and his never-ending uh, graciousness uh, to, to a most grievous inhumanity. Uh, Philo did not like Pilate. Pilate had no problem putting people to death, even if they didn't deserve it. Uh, he was, uh, another commentator said that Pilate was a weak man who tried to cover up his weakness by a show of, show of violence. What accusation do you bring against this man? Consistent with Roman character, he spoke directly to the matter at hand. What's the accusation? And they, they, uh, in their answer, they did not give an answer. Well, if he wasn't guilty, we wouldn't have brought him to you. Which is not exactly an answer to the question. Um, yeah, they didn't want to make Pilate a judge, but more just a, an executor of the sentence which they already illegally uh, had passed. You take him and judge him according to your own law. Pilate responded to their evasion by telling them to uh, resolve the matter themselves. Um, yeah, they didn't... Uh, we we always think of the uh, the Jewish people out there stoning you know blasphemers and 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 all them. They really didn't have this authority under the Romans. The Romans took away the authority to to execute from uh, from the locals. Only the Romans could do that. That didn't stop them from 
stoning people every now and then. Stephen got stoned, stoned here in, uh, in, in Acts and a few others as well. Uh, Jesus almost bit it uh, a few chapters back with the adulterous woman. Remember them holding up their rocks about to, about to go? Uh, but here they, they they figure Jesus is an important figure. We kind of have to play by the rules a little bit. We we can't we can't officially execute him. We would like you to do that. Uh, back in the day, uh, capital punishment in uh, in a lot of places. Uh, can the federal government execute people? Yes. Can the states execute people should they wish? Can counties execute people if they wish? Can cities execute people if they wish? Can towns? No. Back in the day, counties could. Towns could. Little hamlets could. Uh, and the state said, we got to make it more fair. Uh, we'll put it underneath the state. Uh, that way, uh, cities are also off the hook on that one. Uh, that's what the Romans did for, for the Jews. You all don't have that right, but we have that right. If you want us to kill someone, let us know, and we'll see what we can do. In verse 32, uh, I believe this is the first time that he's, that execution is even mentioned here. Uh, and, and all of a sudden, somebody is mentioning execution. And it's, where did that come from? I mean, uh, it's like, well, who, are, who said anything about executing? Yeah, this just got up to an 11. Yeah, that's heightened. Sure. Yeah, in, in, in some previous chapters, it... it Caiaphas is, is known to say, it's, it's, we've got to figure out what to do with this. It's better for one man to die for the nation than the whole nation, whole nation perishes. I, I think much earlier, um, well, once Jesus disappeared because he knew the, the, the priests were coming to kill him. So he's known for quite a while that that was their objective, was to kill him. So, you know, it, it's coming to its termination now. Yeah. Let's do 33 to the end. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your idea? Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied, your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are, you are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. With this he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but is your, it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at, a, at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now, Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. 
Pilate entered back in. John John combines these two appearances of Jesus before Pilate in the uh, in another gospel. We uh, Pilate has a conversation with Jesus and then it says, you know, you're not my problem, you're Herod's problem, and he sends him off to Herod. Herod, Herod has nothing to do with it, and uh, there's more to it than that. But sends him back to Pilate, so he's back in in Pilate's uh, palace here. John just kind of smooshes these two stories together here. Um, Pilate was already involved in this case for the detachment of many Roman troops to go arrest Jesus. And this was his first look at the man the religious leaders claimed was dangerous. And yet Pilate looked at him and said, this guy? This guy's dangerous? He had seen revolutionaries who claimed to be kings, and Jesus did not look that part at all. Did not look like a revolutionary, did not look like a criminal. Um... He could not reconcile the character of a prisoner with the charge of the person uh, brought before him. And I liked how, uh, again, it's the same thing, uh, where Pilate has to ask, all right, you're here, what did you do? <laughs> and, and I could just see Jesus' face of, of, they're the ones, they're the ones who brought me. Ask them. <laughs> like, why do you ask the prisoner, what, what did you do and how should I punish you? Um. But I guess that's what parents sometimes do to kids, isn't it? Like, tell me what you've done, and uh, how much do you want to know? How much can I not share? Yeah. And Jesus is a king. Uh, and Pilate says, you are a king. It's like, not the king that you're thinking of. Um, I do have a kingdom somewhere. But it's not of this earth. And Pilate, to his credit in this, in this part of the story does not see Jesus as a threat. Maybe misguided, maybe confused, maybe maybe mentally ill. But that's no crime to, to commit someone to death. So he sees a way out. We have this tradition at Passover. So he goes outside. Who do you want me to release? I, I'll give you back someone that we arrested. Who would you like? And they don't take Jesus. They take Barabbas. Uh, a murderer, revolutionary, a terrorist, and that's the people's choice. If anyone knew, I, I got to preach on this someday. If anyone knew what it meant for Jesus to die in their place, it was Barabbas. Barabbas should have been up on that cross, and yet he was set free while Jesus was being crucified. And Jesus died for all of us. So even though we might taste death, we shall never die. And the family of God said, Amen.